Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we're going to talk today with uh, three people who work with uh, people who have disabilities. Um, our guests today are Susan Rennie, who's with Options for Better Living, Leslie Green, who's with Stonebelt Arc, and Burt Clemens, who's with Crystal. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or... 877-285-9348 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu. And I have to also welcome to the program. It's a very exciting day for everybody who's here because our new listeners in West Baden and French Lick, the new transmitter was just turned on at noon. So we're the first program for, for those new listeners down there. And we'll also welcome the new listeners from Greensburg. Their transmitter actually won't be turned on to one, but hopefully there are a lot of people listening anyway. For, for you know what? I've listened to this show in Greensburg, though. You, mm-hmm. could, you can get the signal. I remember I called in uh-huh. one time oh. when I was traveling. Yeah. That's right. So welcome to all of them. That's so exciting. All those new listeners. So uh, our first show for them. You know, they the thought the casino was big. I know. But now they get WFIU. That's right. Now that's, that's, that's really right. living. We are. That, that is. <laughs> Well, our topic today is people with disabilities, and we have there are always several different avenues we can go down. I want to welcome back Leslie Green, and welcome back Susan Rennie, and welcome for the first time Bert, Bert Clemens. Uh, so all three are going to be talking about their different organizations. So I, I thought we'd just start that way and just uh, talk. Uh, and Leslie, we'll start with you. Talk about Stonebelt, right. um, a little bit of history and, and what it does. Well, Stonebelt's an organization that's been incorporated since 1959. So we'll soon celebrate our 50th anniversary. Very getting started thinking about that. Uh, we do serve uh, folks with developmental disabilities as well as people with other kinds of um, disabilities. We have services in six counties, includes Monroe, Owen, Green, or I'm sorry, Monroe, Owen, Lawrence, Jennings, Jackson, and I'm forgetting one, Bartholomew. Um, so overall, we probably serve about 2,500 people every year and uh, have a staff of 500 people. So we're one of the larger employers in the in the county. And, now, uh, is this, are you kind of considered to be headquartered here? Or? Yeah, our headquarters okay. is here in Bloomington. We have a, our headquarter facilities on 10th Street, which a lot of people think, oh, that is Stonebelt. Uh, but actually, that's one of, of six county locations and 17 facilities that we have wow. around in those six counties. So, and I always need to, to re-ask the question about ARC. The ARC. Uh-huh. Um, the ARC started years and years ago, and it was started as the called the Association for Retarded Citizens. Okay. And, of course, the, the term, the R word, is uh-huh. now uh, very, very much stigmatized, and the, the ARC has chosen uh, some number of years ago just to be called, uh, signified as being called the ARC. Uh-huh. So we are the Stonebelt ARC, in fact. Okay. All right. Bert, how about Crystal? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, Crystal has been around since oh, about 1981. Uh, we were incorporated then. We serve primarily uh, adults and children with autism and other mm-hmm. developmental disabilities. Uh, we do that in uh, both residential settings and in community settings. Our goal is to uh, help children and adults come along so they can to full independence, so that they can live as full a life on their own and access their community as much as anybody else. Mm-hmm. About what percentage of the people that you service are able to actually fully realize that goal? I think in our past, I think we've had uh, two persons in our in our history who have gone to total independence, pretty mm-hmm. much. Uh, some of the some of the residents that we have 
uh, has have had as children are still with us as adults, and they still continue to uh, do things like in the community, like uh, go out and eat, go and access the theater, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But we've had we've worked with them for an awful long time. And some, am I correct that some of your folks um, are residents of group homes? That's correct. Okay. Our, our our residents are primarily group homes for uh, six persons. And they are uh, small, small group homes throughout a wide area. We serve uh, Bartholomew County, Brown County, and Monroe County. Uh, most of our residences are in are in the Monroe County Monroe County area. We have one uh, group home in in Brown County and two in Columbus. So I'll ask you the the same question: Are you, is Bloomington kind of considered to be your headquarters? Our administrative headquarters are in are in Brown County. They're oh, okay. they're in Nashville, but the bulk of our operation is in Monroe County. Okay, thanks. All right, and Susan Rennie. Yeah, options is uh, uh, also a uh, agency that provides services to people with disabilities. We serve um, adults and children, and um, we provide supported living services, and we provide people with assistance in finding employment. And we also serve Monroe and the surrounding counties. We serve around 275 individuals in that area. And the kinds of things we do are the kinds of things that I think Leslie and um, Bird also do, help people to stay in their community so that they avoid the expensive institutions and nursing mm-hmm. homes and are able to access things in their community. Mm-hmm. So. It's hard to say exactly what we do because it depends on each person. So it's almost like we have 275 different programs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, do you guys – is there an umbrella organization that you all uh, meet at or or some kind of group that you guys get together and and discuss and share share wisdom? There's an organization called NARF, which is an association of organizations like ours. Mm -hmm. And there are hundreds of organizations all across the state of Indiana. So we all come together there and um, learn a a bit about what's happening at the state level and the national level so we can anticipate changes that happen, well, on a daily basis. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. Our numbers again, 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. I want to sort of throw out a general topic to get you to react to because we we had uh, on the show a few weeks ago, a few months ago now, Jill Taylor, who's uh, the singing scientist. Yeah, she mm-hmm. talks a lot about about mental illness and about brain disorders and and about how, you know, everybody has a brain and everybody is, you know, they, they, they just they just work differently. And it seems to me that that's sort of relevant. When you talk about people with disabilities, these are people who have different abilities, different levels of ability, mm-hmm. but they all have you know, abilities and they're all people who who just um, may not have the same skills in certain areas that some people have. And, and you know, Leslie, you already mentioned, you know, that the, there are some stigmatizing right. kinds of stereotypes about people with disabilities. And, and so I just sort of want to throw that out as a general topic and talk about how you deal with that and how you work with that on a regular well, basis. You, you know, I remember the way she phrased it that has really stuck in my mind, and I'd like to get your reactions as kind of a, another part of that question. Um, she said, there is no abnormal brain. Everybody's brain is normal. It's just normal for them. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. go ahead. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things that I get asked often by visitors or maybe by a new staff is, like, what is that person's diagnosis or mm-hmm. what's their IQ or, you know, what's their disability? And 
you know, that's not something we concentrate on. Yeah. We don't I, – I don't go around saying, oh, well, they're uh, such and such or they're in this category or whatever. We just think, well, that's Bill or, you know, mm-hmm. that's Janine or, you know, whoever it is we're working with. And we really do all operate under the same principle of building a person-centered plan around that individual and, you know, helping them get to where it is that they want to be in their lives just mm-hmm. as, as, you know, every one of us has had help in getting – where we want to be mm-hmm. in our lives. It's just a way of extending support. And I honestly don't know the diagnosis of many, many of the individuals that mm-hmm. we work with. So you're right. It's just everybody is who they are yeah. and uh, everybody's brain functions differently. The three of us have differently functioning brains. Up here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind yeah. of my take on it anyway. Yeah. Anybody? Well, and I think, you know, in terms of how you address it with the public and with the community, I think a lot of times it's just people have not a lot of knowledge and um, that just haven't had the opportunity to meet people with disabilities and get Mm -hmm. to know people with disabilities because once they do, then it's not, you know, the person with a disability, it's George. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we really try to do is have people be part of their community Mm -hmm. in ways that they may not have been before. I know um, I'm from a generation where when I went to school, people with disabilities didn't go to that school. And I, I, I wasn't aware until I came into this business even where people in my community went that had disabilities mm-hmm. and found out you know, that certainly they were there. They were just in a separate school. So we give the community, I think, an opportunity to meet people and to get to know George so that the disability goes away then mm-hmm. because they're right. You know, everybody is different. Everybody has gifts. And that's really what we've got to concentrate on is, is, is bringing out those gifts and um, encouraging people to use those. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to – Bert, we'll give you a chance to answer that if you want in a minute. Okay. We have a phone caller. So we're going to go to the phones. And Don, Don. Yes, hi. Um, as, as a teacher, I've had the opportunity to work with um, students both at, uh, here in um, the public schools in Indiana and Bloomington as well as teaching at Ivy Tech. Students that have various uh, disabilities and um, getting to know them has, and work with them has always been a, has been a very interesting and very positive experience that I've had. However, uh, I think one of the things you all just touched on already was the lack of knowledge that people have towards uh, people with disabilities and particularly <coughs> developmental delays, uh, particularly I think the barbaric incident of this man who wants to, claims to want to become a physician, uh, believing that autism is due to possession by the devil um, is frightening <coughs> in an era that is uh, supposedly enlightened. Um, I really think that there's uh, a lot of uh, ignorance still out there in our general society that is evident by uh, this behavior that was uh, reported extensively in the Herald Times. And I would like if you could it just address this particular issue that the, of autism is that I've seen students that have been ranged from non-communicative to people who are very gifted um, 
that all fall within the range of the spectrum of autism, and that it's it's just touch maybe on the causes, maybe help the community um, <clears throat> better understand um, appropriate treatment, of, uh, training, and, and instruction of to help these students uh, and people mitigate their lives to, to fit into our society. Okay. Uh, Bert, you want to start with that? Well, first of all, I think that the, the event regarding the, the exorcism was a, was a tragic event. I was appalled when I, when I first picked that up, uh, picked up my paper and, and read about that, and I've been following that, that story as closely as I can. Uh, it does... It does give some insight into a pervasive attitude about autism and about de developmental disabilities that people just don't understand uh, what causes them, how to work with them, and and how to you know how to help people become the best that they can be. Um, I think that I think that because autism is along a spectrum, uh, that if it affects different people differently, and that some people can be. As, as one might say, uh, higher functioning than some other people who are maybe uh, lack communication skills or so socialization skills. I think that we all need to understand that, that we can work with all of those persons who have autism and they all have something to contribute. If we can figure out uh, how to communicate with them and how to guide them uh, along, along their lifespan. All right. Anything else, uh, Don? Okay, Don's gone. All right. Um, any Susan, Leslie, any reaction to that? Well, again, I express the same uh, feeling that Vert has. It's such a tragedy that that uh, this situation happened with this young man. But it does point out the jobs that I think we all have to do and our colleagues have to do in terms of educating people mm -hmm. about um, the kinds of supports that people need and the way that they can. Um, you know, contribute. We're not, any of us, I don't think, are in the business of trying to cure anybody. We're in the business of trying to support and help people make the most, you know, of their lives and, and uh, reach the goals that they've right. set for themselves. Right. So, Well, I would like to point out, too, that this community is a very welcoming and supporting mm -hmm. community, and those kinds mm -hmm. of instances are really rare. Yes. Yeah. And um, I, I think, again, it's a matter of we've sent the, a message in the past to the community that people with disabilities need specialized services and supports and needs to be need to be somewhere where they can receive that that's different than the community and right. we're changing that message entirely now we're saying to the community no you're the ones that need to be there and available and supporting individuals so we've got some work to do it's not mm -hmm. been that long since the message was a whole different one that we were sending mm -hmm. but you know i i really want to emphasize how supportive this community is just in terms of jobs for the people mm -hmm. that we work for and um you know housing and all of those areas of life okay. you know you talked about educating people and, and <clears throat> as to needs and, and concerns that uh people with disabilities have and i, I would imagine that that um, strongly includes our political representatives i know that um, there's always a strong presence at the state house it seems every session um, you guys are really excellent at getting groups up to the state house um, mm -hmm. to lobby. Would you like to talk a little bit about that, and maybe specifically some of the pr things that you're lobbying for? 
Yeah, the Probably the biggest uh, area of concern and that we deal with is just there's a huge waiting list for services. There's some 15,000 people in the state of Indiana who are not receiving services but would like to. And so we're constantly working with um, our local legislators as well as state legislators on that. And, of course, that goes to the federal level too because the state is more or less in the job of administrating you know, some of the federal funding and mm-hmm. adding to it the state funding that they're able to. But that's a huge issue for our state, as it is around the country, mm-hmm. uh, is to make sure that people are getting access to, to supports. Can I, I want to sort of break this down from a big number to a small number. 15,000 people, you said, that are waiting mm-hmm. for services. So if, uh, you know, if I was one of those people who was waiting for services, I mean, what, what would my life be like? Right. What kind of services would I be waiting for? Would I be able to get? It, again, it's, it's hard to say because it could be that you need respite services. Mm-hmm. So you're a family uh, with a young child with autism and you just need someone to be coming into the home and providing some respite services, or you may need all the way up to, you know, hoping that you can uh, live in your in apartment with full-time support. So it can be run the whole gamut, really. Yeah. And okay. there are a lot of families out there who, um, you know, they're older mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. and yes. they have adult children and they are on the waiting list hoping that, you know, that there's some level of support available to their son or daughter after they're not able to do that. That's got to be a huge concern for people who have cared for their children, Mm -hmm. you know, into adulthood. And then as they are looking at their own lifespan, realize that they aren't going to always be able to provide that care. Um, Wow, what a a big hurdle to to overcome. One kind of uh, victory that we've had, though, in the last few months is the state has released what they call a priority waiver. And for listeners out there who you may be over the age of 80 and still caring for a son or a daughter who has a developmental disability, you may be eligible for services immediately. So we would encourage you uh, to get in contact with the state um, Bureau of Developmental Disability Services and find out about that. And then the other priority waiver that we're real excited about is that kids that have been exiting from high school for the last few years have Mm -hmm. been exiting to basically very limited amounts of support. So we've educated kids in the special education system, and then as they've exited school, there hasn't been a lot of support we could provide to them. And now there's a priority waiver for those kids that are either getting ready to exit or have recently exited school. So... Those are a couple of victories that we have that we can um, But really over promote. the age of 80, I mean, that doesn't seem <laughs> but, good enough no. by a long about, shot. I mean, well, come it was a start. <laughs> it was about 20% of the persons who need services are living at home with parents over the age of 80. There's, we estimated, well, I think, in the state of Indiana, I'm thinking four, four to 500 families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I mean, it's interesting to, to think about the transitional time that we're in. I mean, even though we think that we're enlightened and that, that there's been a lot of progress in this area, still, Stone Belt was founded 49 years ago. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you think about somebody who's 80 now, if they were 30 years old and they had a, a child who had, you know, disabilities of some some form, there were no services then. And if they just started down a path of, I'm going to take care of my kids and mm-hmm. my home, and they lived this nice life up until their 
eighty. Yeah, or older. Or older. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it is interesting to think we haven't come that far. We're working on seventy and over next. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's our next. <laughs> I guess that's how yeah. you have to do it. Yeah. All right. Our well, phone number is again eight five five zero eight one one or eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We're talking about issues involving people with disabilities. Our guests today, Susan Rennie from Options for Better Living, Leslie Green from Stonebelt Arc, and Burt Clemens from Crystal. Uh, gosh, sorry. I was, I was, I'm still well, getting over the, the, <laughs> the 80. I know. You look stunned over Yeah, I, I, uh, I really am. Um, Still thinking about that. You're going to have to take it. I can't. I, don't have, I got nothing. All right. Well, we, <laughs> there, are, there are some workforce issues we want to talk about. And the first direction I want to take that, I didn't mean to trick you in there, yeah. Catherine, but right. the first direction I want to take that is about, um, about employment for people with disabilities because you've, you've all talked about how the community is very supportive of that. And, you know, I, want, I, I know there probably still is. Um, an issue, though, probably are still a lot of people with disabilities who don't have employment, and I know there are lots of good reasons to employ people with disabilities for the benefit of the employer, not just for the benefit of the employee. So, again, I'll turn to Leslie first. Could you talk about this issue of employing people with disabilities? Yeah, well, it's a it's a pretty well known fact for us at this table that um, seventy five to eighty percent of people with disabilities are not employed, and great 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 percentage of those individuals would like to be so we have a lot of work to do as a, as a society in terms of helping people with disabilities become fully em, embraced by the by the uh, work, world of work um, options and stonebelt both participate and help help uh, coordinate a business led initiative called higher potential of indiana and I'll let Susan talk a little bit more about that. But basically, we're working it with local businesses to promote this this issue. So, mm-hmm. Susan. Oh, sure. Well, Higher Potential is, as Leslie said, it's a group of business leaders that have come together because they, you know, know that hiring people with disabilities makes good business sense. And so um, they're taking a business to business approach to promoting and educating. Um, other employers in our community because, you know, people with disabilities make excellent employees. Mm-hmm. Um, every study has shown that uh, people with disabilities have uh, a really uh, positive impact on the employment environment, and they also encourage other um, – they encourage um, consumers to come to that business. There was a survey that was done not too long ago that showed that uh, there were a couple of things when somebody said, you know, would you, um, what would make you, you know, go to this certain business? And one was that it was a green business, and another was that they hired people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. So it has a a positive impact both in the work environment in terms of the morale um, and the productivity of other employees, and also on the bottom line. So these businesses have come together again to educate others and to to help others understand what they've already learned. Uh, there's a website that listeners can go to to learn a lot more and to um, to get access to those business leaders and talk to them. It's um, higherpotentialindiana.org. Okay, I would suspect that each of you um, has had some. Uh, testimonial from a business who has hired someone with a, mm-hmm. a disability. Can you you could either name the business or not, but could you talk about a specific case? We've had extremely good experiences and working relationships with uh, Ivy Tech, uh, Indiana University. We uh, a 
man that Options supports in their residential program, but that we support in his employment, has worked at the IU Police Department for Oh, 15 years long or time, more, long time. and uh, he's just totally an integrated part of that of that police force. Uh, we have folks that are at Carlisle, uh, just just about anywhere that you can name around the community. Um, One of the best testimonials I ever heard was from um, Vicki Davison at Bloomington Hardware. Yes. Mm-hmm. She's hired several people. Yes, she's an excellent, supportive employer. Yes, she is. And then Lori Forrester at IU Credit mm-hmm. Union. Um, again, I, I don't think I've ever talked to an employer who's had a bad experience hiring somebody with a disability because one of the things that we do is to provide the employer with what support they might need mm-hmm. to support that individual. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, you know, want to, again, match the person to the job to make mm-hmm. it a good fit and then to provide the supports that that person's going to need and help that employer maintain that relationship, that employment relationship on an ongoing basis. So, mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna, I'm going to take one phone call before we have to go to a break. So let's go to Dave on the phone. Dave? Hello, Dave. Hello. Hi. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I have a question uh, concerning some of the things that have happened statewide recently with uh, uh, the outsourcing of uh, FSSA. And it seems to me that now that we've done that, we have uh, clients who are needing services, uh, say, for example, an MRDD client, um, and they're told that they need to get on the computer uh, to go somewhere and find out how to get whatever services they need. Um, could you maybe address those types of issues or, or talk about those issues? Okay. Um, we'll, we'll do that. Leslie, do you want to start that? But first, uh, could you tell people what FSSA is and also what MRDD is? Oh. Uh, Family and Social Services Administration okay. and uh, MRDD, Mentally Retarded and Developmentally Disabled. Okay. All right. I haven't run into that personally yet. Uh, we have only just begun to even be able to refer people back to start receiving services. So I suspect, because of the waiting list and it just being open, uh, I suspect that we'll start to hear more of that. Uh, one thing that we as organizations have always been good at, though, is rolling with the punches. Um, you know, we have state Legislate, not legislative, but administrative changes every four years or so or every two years or so or however often those things change. And uh, I think we've always had staff that are pretty adept at being able to help negotiate that. The problem is that they don't uh, – some people don't always find um, that person that can help them negotiate the system. And, and you're right that there, there may be a concern in that area now if it becomes very automated or computerized. That's going to leave a lot of people out. Mm-hmm. People are, I think, with the with the system becomes automated, and people are just not going to be able to uh, call a person, go in and see a person, and talk to them about their situation, and talk to them about the services that they might need, and and develop a rapport. Uh, I, I think that I think it's a mistake to fully automate it, and I think that it's it just doesn't do as good a service for the consumer as it might. Okay. Yeah. We similarly are, are very concerned because it's such a confusing system anyway because it, you don't really know where you need to go. There's no real point of access for mm-hmm. a lot of the services that we provide. 
So I, I'm, I'm concerned that if people won't access services and just because they won't know where to go. And the gap, um, you know, in terms of technology and, and access to technology, the gap for people with disabilities is huge. Mm-hmm. It, you know, most people that we work with do not have a computer. Right, so that's so. a trip to right. the library, which right. is a lot more onerous than right. it might be for, for many of us. Right. I can also say that I think any of us or any of our colleagues who do similar services around the state would definitely try to hold people's hands through that process sure. and help, you know, we, we're going to know a little bit more about the ins and outs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I don't think the state has realized the, um, sort, you know, in some ways the shifting of the burden that, that they've done, but um, that's something that we're all have done and would continue to do. It increases the amount of contact people have with us because now they would they would find us in the phone book or they would they would know about us and they would call us directly and we become the starting point for a lot of you know for addressing a lot of their needs. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks a lot for the call, Dave. Great, thanks. All right, we're going to have to take a short break. Uh, Again, you're listening to Noon Edition. Our phone numbers are 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu if you have any topics you want us to address about disabilities. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info WFIU is podcasting, a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer. And you can listen anytime from your computer, iPod, or portable player. Selected programs include A Moment of Science, Ether Games Musical Mini Quiz, Movie Reviews by Peter Noble Cuchera, Ask the Mayor, and Noon Edition. You can learn more about podcasts and WFIU at our website, wfiu.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael and our guests today, Susan Rennie from Options for Better Living, Leslie Green from Stonebelt Arc, and Burt Clemens from Crystal. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu. You know, at the beginning of this show, we forgot to thank Will Murphy, who did a <coughs> lovely job of filling in for you uh, while you were gone. So right. we should thank Will. I didn't know how lovely it was. It was lovely. Good. Yeah, he did a great job. Glad, to, glad, glad that and, he did. Yep. And yeah. he had to take one, one show solo, so we really need to thank him yes, for that. Yes, thank you, Will. And also, we need to welcome again our new listeners from the West Baden, French Lick area, who uh, just came on board with the new transmitter down there at noon, and also the folks in Greensburg who are coming on at 1 o'clock. All right. Welcome welcome, welcome to the WFIU family. That's right. Okay. Well, we were talking about workforce issues and about uh, employing people with disabilities, and, and we talked before the program about 
your need to fill jobs in all of your organizations. So, Bert, let's start with you on that one. Well, uh, agency-wide, in, in our agency and I think across the state, there is uh, much more of a shortage of persons to work with persons with disabilities than I think, than I think a lot of people realize. Uh, in our agency alone, I think this morning we counted uh, 10 or 12 vacancies for full-time positions that we would like to have filled. Uh, we're looking for people who, who care about persons with disabilities to work with, to work with some of our very special guys. Uh, but I think that all of, us, all of us here today are experiencing this sort of crunch as, as the baby boomers get older and, mm -hmm. and people need services and people come off the waiting list. We have to be prepared for them. Uh, we are searching for, for people to help us work with our, with, for our very special are very special guys. Are, is Indiana training enough people, um, turning out enough folks who are prepared to go into this line of work? Is that one of your one of the issues? I think that's part of the issue. I think that uh, in over the long haul, as long as we've been in in the in the business, uh, there have been in in mental health. There is an ACSW. There's an MSW. Mm -hmm. There's a credential. That sort of thing. Uh, if you want to be a lawyer, you can go to school to be a lawyer. If you want to, you know, there's apprenticeship programs. You want to be a pipe fitter, or that kind of stuff. But in terms of developmental disabilities, in terms of formal education, historically there's been no clear track hmm. where persons can come from a formal program and say, "I am a developmentally disabled worker," you know, mm -hmm. or "I'm a certified person," or "I'm," you know, we mm -hmm. have. I, I thought that years ago we were going to get to that point when we started with certified nursing assistants, right. that that was going to graduate into that. But somehow when it comes to developmental disabilities, we don't have that clear track mm. or that clear career path. So we as employers have to make that. Mm -hmm. There is a little bit of good news in that front, though. The state is starting with what they call phase one, and both Options and Stonebelt are able to participate in that. That's actually going to create that career track. Mm -hmm. And working with Ivy Tech, we're working on a certification program so that people who are our employees can uh, take those classes and become certified. And that will be portable. Mm -hmm. That will be something that they could take from place to place. The state's intention or hope is that this would become a statewide um, program and that uh, all providers would be able to offer uh, that. But we're sort of in the first phase and, and uh, helping to develop the, the program. Are, are you, Leslie, and you, Susan, seeing the same kinds of shortages of Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I checked this morning, and, and, and we have 23 uh, full-time vacancies. Wow. So, um, and we have, we have 260 employees. So we would love for people to hear this message and to hear how exciting it is to work in this mm -hmm. field and know that it, the flexibility that's involved in working this field makes it worth it along with the experience that you get at, at, as helping somebody to gain independence. Mm -hmm. and Leslie, right. Leslie, you said you have 500 employees. So how many openings well, do you have? Well, if we extrapolate, then we probably have 50 openings. <laughs> <laughs> so there, let's see, there are eight, 83 know, jobs we're offering right. today. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. But it, yeah, this seems like a, a very labor-intensive um, kind of business, if you it will. Is. And I know it's not, strictly speaking, a business. It's much more than that. Mm -hmm. But but um, probably the client-employee ratio is very tight 
Mm-hmm. It is. As far as, you know, there's – do you have some that are almost one-on-one? Yes, sir. Yeah, so you're going to have to have a lot of people employed. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. I want to uh, – we're going to the phones, but I do want to remember to ask all of you how you got into the oh, business. Yeah. So, But let's go to the phones first. Martina is on the line. Martina? Yes, hi. I didn't have a question. I just had a comment. I wanted to applaud Stonebelt for the wonderful art that I've seen coming out most recently. There's been quite a bit of it. And I was hoping you might want to talk a little bit about what's, what's been happening, and so I would get off the phone and just listen to your answer. Okay. Thanks. You want me to take that? Yeah. Down? Okay, Let's well, talk about the art. Um, we have been doing uh, several things in the arts for, oh, probably four or five years now, and we've had some projects that we've done. We've participated with Joe LaMattia, Joe a local collaborative artist, uh, in some Lotus projects. We've had um, artists coming in to, to our facility at 10th Street and working alongside with our consumers, our clients, and making things for Lotus or making things for Arts Week. Uh, in fact, uh, Carolyn Taylor was one of the artists that did a thing on the brain. Um, and it's just kind of launched uh, a, you know, a real flurry of creativity uh, amongst our clients, and we've uh, started to help them produce and sell uh, artworks, and we've been exhibiting in local venues around town. Bloomington Bagel Company has graciously uh, allowed us to exhibit there a couple of times. Uh, we had a lot of fun at City Hall, and if you haven't seen mm-hmm. the picture of the mayor and the city council, that's something you should check out. Um, had a lot of fun doing those exhibits, and uh, actually we're getting ready to open an exhibit next week on um, Tuesday, and we'll have an opening reception on Wednesday at 5.30 if anybody where, would, where will that be? At Lenny's. At Lenny's, okay. And so we'll be at Lenny's for the next two or three months. But we have a group of, of designers and artists that uh, really make some beautiful pieces. We have uh, large framed mosaic pieces. We've got a, hand, a line of greeting cards that people are producing. And then we've taken some of the designs from the large mosaics and made them into pieces of pewter jewelry. And those will also all be available. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in some way, it's really opened a lot of opportunities for the individuals that are involved. They, they, you know, are always at the openings when we have those gallery openings. They've been commissioned uh, to do pieces. We did a commission for Barry Lassau at the United Way, and so it's uh, it's been something that's created a lot of energy and excitement. Is this unique for for our community? That is, you know, Bloomington is a community that really focuses on arts and prides itself on arts. I mean, would you go into other, be able to go into other communities and find this kind of a collaboration I, with artists? I'm seeing it a little bit. Um, I've seen, I I've, I've know of a program in Ohio that's been doing this for a while. They have a, a studio called Passion Works. Mm. Um, we hope to continue. We love the collaborative things that we do. It's wonderful when um, the clients that we're supporting get to interact and produce art along with the local artist community and that's and it's so strong here that there you know there's no um shortage of people that we can can partner with and mm-hmm. make great things you know uh, hopefully uh, I'd like to do more civic projects and you know kind of get things around town that uh, people have a chance to see. Well, I know that the, the work that was on the wall at the Bloomington Bagel Company, I saw many, many times, and it was it was fantastic. And people were walking over and looking at it all the time. And it was, I mean, every piece was unique. Mm-hmm. And I know two people who purchased 
a, a couple of those pieces. Right. Yeah, we just... sold a couple of pieces after the first weekend, which yeah. was real exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Have people call you up and want to buy the art and um, – you know, for our our, client, our clients get paid. If they are the principal artist or the designer, they get paid a commission. And then anyone who works on the piece gets paid at an hourly rate for the work that they do. And sometimes that's the artist themselves. And sometimes it's other artisans that help with the production. So it's really exciting. All right. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. I want to return to that Previous mm-hmm. thought about yeah. how three of you got how the three of you got into this line of work. <clears throat> Susan, you want to start first? Well, I was a bank teller, and <laughs> I had a degree in psychology, a bachelor's degree in psychology, <clears throat> which is worth a whole lot of money. I'm sure you know. <laughs> and, and the person in the teller cage next to me husband was in the business, and he was looking for somebody to work for him. So I thought I would take my degree to work. And so I began working in a, um, an agency in Greencastle, Indiana, and that was 29 years ago mm-hmm. um, because it just was exactly what I wanted to do, and I really enjoyed the people that I work with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bert? Peace Corps changed my life. That's what I can say. I did a I did a hitch in the Peace Corps a hundred years ago before electricity, and then um, after I returned from the Peace Corps, I did um, volunteer service uh, for an organization like like Crystal for about five or six years, and after that, I, I became the director of that organization, and then from there, I moved down here. Okay, all right, Leslie. Yeah, I got a degree in uh, recreation, therapeutic recreation, and um, was coming to Bloomington because my husband was in grad school. This is the this is the famous story that a lot of people know. And uh, uh, you know, one thing led to another. I got a job at Stonebelt, expecting to be there for a couple of years, and that was back in 1979. So. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Bloomington. Yeah, yeah that's how it goes. So, so. I, I think the part of the moral of the story is, you know, that you documented that there are somewhere around 75 or 80 openings in your right. organization you now. And there are people out there who may have a degree in, you know, sociology, psychology, English, whatever, that uh, just have an interest in working with people. So. Yeah. And, it, and many of the positions we have do not require a degree. They require high school mm-hmm. education. I want to just point out that our chief financial officer started as a part-time substitute. Oh, <laughs> 12 right? years ago. So, mm-hmm. again, you know, you don't know where life is going to take you. And mm-hmm. uh, all of us have careers in this field and we have careers to offer to people. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because often we talk – we think about agencies and organizations and we talk about people can volunteer their time. and We need people to volunteer time. We need people to volunteer their money. And now what you're saying is we also need people who want to make it into a career or yes. at least – start down a career path and you know we'll pay you mm-hmm. to come work with our agency. So that's a little different from the message we usually hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and I think that the fact that the, the um, education that uh, is being offered travels, that's important. It's, uh, you made the uh, nursing analogy mm-hmm. and I think that that really holds up. Um, we've become a more mobile society so it sounds like this is one of those um, career paths that you can take with you and you're going to find employment just about mm-hmm. anywhere you go. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a lot to be said for that. I've got an email that came in. Shall we do this? Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. Uh, what resources are available for adults who are mildly mentally disabled, not diagnosed earlier, but facing employment challenges today because of the disability? 
Is there a diagnostic process that could help the adult to understand the disability and work within their capabilities? They have a college degree. Well, I would refer that person to Indiana Vocational Rehabilitation Services Mm -hmm. because they can help with both of those things. They can help with the diagnostics so that the person can get an idea of what kinds of supports they might need on an ongoing basis and also connect that person with employment support so that if they're um, ready to go back to work, um, they can support that. Vocational rehabilitation can do lots of different things and can pay for any training that the person might need or any kind of um, ongoing support that they might need to get to a, a job. Okay. Anybody have anything to add to that? Oh, no. That's I, I have another question. Okay. Um, Bloomington, I had a most interesting conversation with a man, um, uh, someone I'd never met before, but he um, was commuting to uh, Chrysler back in Indianapolis uh, because he had a child with developmental disabilities, and they moved to Bloomington so this child could go to the Bloomington school system and take advantage of services available in Bloomington. And I'm wondering if that's a common story that you've heard before, or um, and it also makes me wonder, you know, are we doing a particularly good job of mainstreaming or I, I don't know if that's the right phrase because this isn't my line of work, yeah. obviously, but, but you know, in, inclusion, inclusion. Mm-hmm. inclusion. <clears throat> Is that something we seem to be a little ahead of the curve on or, or could you just talk about that a little bit and anybody can answer this? Yeah, I've always felt pretty fortunate to, to have our headquarters here in Bloomington because there's been so many rich community resources and the school system certainly I think is amongst some of the first that I saw that really started to look at uh, what we would call back in the older days as community-based instruction, you know, Mm -hmm. that there was life outside the classroom that people had to learn about and, you know, getting ready for employment and having employment experiences while they're still in school. Uh, I think that our school system has done a good job of that. Um, So I've always felt fortunate and that those kinds of things that we're doing in this community have really expanded out to other communities as well. And, you know, you'll see it better or or not so good in other places, mm-hmm. but um, I, I do think Bloomington is a particularly um, richly resourced community. In a former life, I was able to provide technical support to um, high schools around the state of Indiana, and I can say just from that experience for the, um, the several years that I did that, um, I took the things that I learned from the school system here to Mm. other school systems around the state. So I think we can really look at the things that we've done here as as making significant change across the state. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so you have probably run into other people who have – go ahead, Bert. I'm sorry. Having moved here, I've been here maybe about a year and a half. This is my second year as the director of Crystal. And I know that uh, coming from other counties in the the state of Indiana – that uh, the school system here in Bloomington seems to be a lot more sensitive to the issues of, especially of parents uh, mm-hmm. who are facing difficult situations with with children with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've had real positive experiences here, and I've had some real not so positive experiences other places. And I'm real happy that that the environment here is really supportive of that. Great. Well, it seems as if um, the the whole social service network here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you mentioned Barry and United Way. It's United Way and all its member agencies plus you know, the, the many, many other agencies. Well, I know the Bloomington Parks Department is one of the few parks departments that offers inclusive recreation right. opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense, kind of a 
yeah. dovetailing on all the other services. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we only have a couple minutes to go, and I, I want to. I know we've talked a lot about your individual agencies, but I want to make sure people have know how to get a hold of you. And if you, you know, if you had a wish list for your agency, this would be a good time to sort of suggest to the community what they could do to help. So, Leslie, let's start. I would just say get involved. You know, if it's as a paid employee or if you'd like a volunteer opportunity. Um, sadly, a lot of the people that we support don't have a lot of people in their lives. They don't have uh, even family members sometimes. And uh, so it's always wonderful if, if people from the community find ways to be actively engaged. Do you, do you have any kind of a, um, you know, Big Brothers, Big Sisters has a mentoring program. There are lots of mentoring kind of programs with kids in the public schools. Do you uh, have anything similar Well, we that? work with Best Buddies here mm-hmm. on campus. There's a Best Buddies chapter here on campus. So that's a way that, um, you know, college-age kids can get involved. We don't have a formal program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can do everything, you know, from help volunteering in one of our programs to, you know, trying to develop a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a group in town called Citizens Advocacy that really works at partnering and, and matching mm-hmm. people that want to be long-term advocates to folks with disabilities. So do you want to offer a phone number or a website for people that, uh, Leslie, for, for, um, for Stonebelt? Yeah, want to for get in Stonebelt, probably you? the best thing is just to go to our website, which mm-hmm. is stonebelt.org, mm-hmm. and uh, you can get all the contact information and all the program information you will like from yeah. there. Okay. So that's easy. Yeah. Bird. Mm-hmm. Our website is uh, crystal, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-L-E dot org. Some, some people get, Good job get that spelling. Kind of, you like that? <laughs> year and a half, they can figure yeah. that out. Huh? Yeah. Uh, we, we also are looking for a lot of volunteers, whether you're going to serve as a board member or serve in uh, working with some of our kids in some of our homes and, and things like that. Uh, we, we know that mealtimes are very stressful for our staff and our, and our guys who, work, who are in the homes. Uh, that's a real good time for people to volunteer time and really see uh, some, of our, you know, some of our guys and some of our residents uh, doing some of the things they need to be doing and a great time to help out. So mealtimes are very important. We're always looking for people to volunteer for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Susan. And options you can reach at optionsfbl.com. And uh, our uh, 800 number is 800-875-9615. And certainly I would echo that we'd love for people to get involved. And if there are employers out there that are looking for uh, just the right person, please call us and please visit higherpotentialindiana.org to learn more about hiring somebody with a disability and maybe dispel some of those things that you might think get in the way. All right. Well, we're about out of time, but there you have it. You can you can volunteer at any one of these agencies, uh, any one of these with any one of these organizations. They have full time jobs available with benefits. With That's benefits. right, with benefits. Oh, wow. Benefits um, and uh, training available. Training available. Just any way that that you want to get involved. So I want to again thank our guests today, Susan Rennie, Leslie Green, and Bert Clemens. I want to remind our listeners that if you missed a portion of this program or you want to hear it in its entirety, you can download the program as a podcast on the our website, WFIU.org, or just, just click on the podcast tab on the left side of the screen. And also, programs from the past are archived. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Catherine Hageman, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times.